0: Let's pray and let's read the whole chapter, Romans 13, so the Lord may speak to our heart. Lord, we come to you understanding that you are an omnipresent God. You are everywhere, but you have decided that when your people gather, your presence will be manifested in a way that you will encourage our hearts, bring conviction of sin, Bring us together to you as you bring your church together. And I pray that this moment will not be a a passing of information, but a reality of you speaking to your people. And we will come with a worshipful attitude. I want to be ministered by this, Lord, as I preach it also. And let your Holy Spirit really get a hold of our hearts and that we, as we see this passage, will want to love others love you, love the church, and love godliness because of the love that you have poured on us. That's our prayer in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans 13 I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 14. This is the word of our Lord. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God and avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities and ministers of God attending to do this very thing. Pay to all what is all of them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. All, all no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another, loves one another, has fulfilled the law. For the commandments: you should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not covet and in any other command that are summoned up in this word, You should love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not run to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the Lord. Besides this, and, and I, I want to make a, a, a point here. Maybe a, a translation can, can, can say do all this. It's, 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 it's connecting to the rest of the passage because, because of what we are about to read we can do everything that has been told before us. Besides, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we, were, when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let's, let, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sexuality, not in quarrelling and jealousy, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify his desires. This is the word of the Lord. I'm glad that John mentioned that kind of armor situation because there's something similar being communicated here as we put the, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was a teenager, kind of early teenagers, uh you know, adolescent, you, you, have, you dream of things. You dream of being somebody and some of my, my daydreaming was uh, being Larry Bird. I wanted to be Larry Bird. I wanted to have that winning shot for the Boston, Boston Celtics in the, in the Boston Garden. I cannot sing. I'm, I'm horrible at singing but you know, in some ways I wanted to be Bono in front of a stadium. And there was one song that always caught my attention, a song called One by the band U2. In 2003, a special edition issue of Q Magazine titled A Thousand and One Best Song Ever, named one the greatest song of all time. During a show in his own hometown on December 31, 1989, Bono took a minute to air his band Dirty Laundry. And I'm not trying here to say Bono is a Christian, not a Christian, that's a controversy in itself. like people, he was in the cover of Christianity today. But I want to say something about this song one. You two had entered the final stretch of the Love Town Tour and the guys were beyond exhausted. There were familiar matters to attend. Bono's wife had given birth to the couple's first child earlier that year and Edge, the, the guitarist, married to his high school sweetheart had begun to fall apart. They also created issues that manifested on their last album and spilled over into the current tour. Searching for new inspiration, the boys finished their tour, spent several months at home, and headed to Berlin in October 1990, flying into the city on the day Germany officially reunited. The city was jubilant. However, as the wall between East and West Berlin collapsed, new barriers were built between the four members of U2. Within the future of U2, in doubt, one literally brought the band together. Working one night, The Edge began composing a bridge for the song that would later become ultraviolet, another song. He struck out some minor chords on the piano. They came up with a major key resolution. When he switched to acoustic guitar and started playing the sections one after the other, a new song was born. The other madma- bandmates joined in with Bono improvising some lyrics. Within minutes, the framework of for one was completed. One gets to the heart of relationship. Each verse raise new question. Are you feeling better? Did I let you down? Have you come here for forgiveness? Without offering any responses in return, Keeper things deliberately vague. Buy- Siri is going crazy here. <laughs> shut up, Siri. <laughs> I, I forget. Be quiet. I forget that. That's lost in translation. That be quiet, shut up kind of situation. Be quiet, Siri. That <laughs> get lost in translation. That's another story for another time. The song is a bit twisted, Bono explained, which is why I could never understand why people want it at their wedding. This is not a song about love, it's a song about the resignation of the failing of relationship. But you two didn't break up. They they tied up a few of those ends in Berlin, flew back to Dublin and finishing their album, Octune Baby, which reinvented the band, sound, image, and audience. I took the chance of reading in English, which is not my strength. (laughs) This, This song is about false unity. It's about manipulating love to force people to false unity, to using phrases that will make you feel guilty to be able to relate with somebody on their own terms. It's a type of relationship. You can relate to me only if you relate in my way. There's a, there's a verse that I think is the, is the most revealing stance in this song. It say, love, you say love is a temple. Love is a higher law. You ask me to enter, but then you make me crawl. And I can be holding on to what you got when all you got is hurt. What the song is saying, and sometimes people from, from secular point of view can help us see some realities that maybe we don't see. Is this reality of forcing people to relate to us in ways that are selfish, that are manipulative. Maybe we can use our, our anger to force people to relate to us. Maybe we can use our self-pity or our crying. It's like when, when I'm in a, in, a, in a conflict with my wife and she starts crying, she won. <laughs> it's over. I don't want to see her crying. So, so we have to be careful how we put uh the rules to engage in relationship because we want to be one loving loving openly and loving in a way that we even put ourselves as vulnerable Mm. we can be hurt we can be used but we want to love and this passage what is showing us that we can love society we can love others we can love the church we can love god because we know the end is near we know the end is near, so we don't have to be putting all these kind of like rules that are not biblical to relate to one another. We, cannot, we don't need to be like kind of keeping distance to protect ourselves. We can throw ourselves into relationship. We can throw ourselves to love the world. We can throw, our, not the word in worldliness, but to, to love society and be a light. We don't have to be scared that they will be persecuting us. We can love them. And we can love the church and we can love God because the end is near. We know this is going to be over. So, so we in we intention throw ourselves to the gospel and the love we have received in Christ so we can love one another. I think at the end, the book of Romans, this book that is, we think is about so, many, so much high theology, which is true, is about love. The first eleven chapter is about the love of Jesus to us. He gives us justification. Remember the wave that I talk with the, with the canyon? Even with that deep canyon, he loves us. He loves us and he justifies us. And he gives us the, this, this great promise in Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. It's about love. And we can love each other. And we can throw ourselves in relationship. And that's what, then you get Romans 12 to 16. And that renewal of your mind It's about loving each other. When you go to to Romans 12, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, which is the gospel, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's like you sacrifice your life. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And it's interesting because right away, Paul throws himself about loving each other. Right after that, you have a couple of verses about the use of the gifts of the Spirit. And the use of the gifts of the Spirit are put there so we can love one another. It's not about like, ooh, yeah, I'm the prophet, I'm this or that. It's about using them for the identification of the body of Christ. And then you see in Romans 12:9 said, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be soulful in, sle- in seal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. What Paul is saying is like throw yourself to love one another. If you want to fight, fight about you want to honor each other. You see how he say there? Outdo one another in showing honor. It should be like, like, like when we do. Uh, marital uh, discipleship you get together with a couple they should be coming and fighting because she's saying "You know, it's impossible to live with this man because I want to honor him but he wants to honor me and he's saying you don't know her she's all the time serving me and I want to serve her and I want to give my life to her but she doesn't allow me because she wants to that should be the fight that we should be having That that, that should be what we should be like quarreling around. Instead of like, "Ah, today the Super Bowl and she's not making the chips and salsa that I like. And she's doing it on purpose. (laughs) She wants to spice me. She's doing the corn dogs. She knows that will give me heartburn. (laughs) And we keep like these stories in our head that keep separating us. Instead of throwing ourselves to love one another because we see The love of Jesus that is so resilient that he tells us no one can separate you from my love. So because of the mercies of God, because of the light of the gospel, and knowing that the time is near, because the end is near, we can love. We can love society, love the church, love others, and love God. So point number one, we can love society. As we submit, and this is important, in an appropriate way to the authorities. We can love society as we submit in an appropriate way to authorities. This is interesting because we always see Romans 13, to 8, separated from the context. We just study it as this way of how we can relate to the authorities, and we forget that it's in a sandwich, in a theological sandwich of love, love, and then that passage. And one of the major points that Paul wants to to make is you submit to authority so you can love people. It's a a, a primary way that we love others. And we have to understand the temptation that the church had during those years. It's different than our temptation right now. During those times, they were persecuted. Rome may have been, at the time, kind of not friendly toward the church. Uh, Rome had, like, religious kind of like tolerance. But the problem with Christianity was that we have an exclusivity call. We say we, we are the only gig in town. We, we are the only truth, And, and that, that never comes quite right. People don't like that. People will be fine. We say, yeah, yeah, worship your way. But their temptation in some ways was they were every Sunday. They were doing civil disobedience. They were kind of rebelling against the state. And when you do that every Sunday, you're saying, oh, this this, this is good. Let's rebel everywhere. Let me not pay my taxes. Let me not do things. I'm just going to rebel everywhere. And what Paul was adjusting them was telling them, okay, every Sunday, your guys kind of, in a way, not following Rome. But in your daily life, there there shouldn't be anything that people could accuse you. Our temptation can be different now. Our temptation can be like more, let me kind of throw myself to the state. Let the state be my God. Let the state be the one that solves all my situations. I have, I have a fungus in my toenail. The state should resolve that. You know, we're we kind of throwing ourselves, like, in, in every way, the state is God. And we need to, like, adjust that we don't, that maybe their temptation was to undersubmit. Our temptation is to oversubmit. But we still have to submit in appropriate ways so people can see that we love them. That we love God as we submit to the authorities in an appropriate way. Are you guys with me? Yes. 13.1. Let every person, not some person, let every person be subject to the government authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. The, the principle is clear. Any authority in life is from God. And we need to appropriately identify authorities and see that submitting to them is submitting to God. The, the important thing here is to understand okay, what authority is God has with? I in primarily families number one. It's, it's a pre-political institution. God created family before the institution of politics or the state. So that's a very important uh, authority situation. Then you have the church and then you have the state and you have to be careful when the state can encroach in the in the church or the family and we have to be careful when the church can encroach encroach is a good word into into the 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 family that relationship we always have to be careful how those things relate but we are people under authorities and we have to be careful when we are submitting appropriately we're submitting to god and i want to say things to 18 years old and younger Eighteen years old is not a magical age. That's, I'm, I'm coming as a, as, a, as a Hispanic. And there's some cultural things. Your pastor likes to say cultural imaginary. Uh, we are not going to talk about that here. But sometimes the culture, there are things that we take for granted. And 18 years old is not the magical age that you throw people to be, not be under submission. The reality is you are under submission until the day you get married, which you are in another type of authority. And we have to appropriately walk that line of growing up. But don't, don't be thinking, okay, 18 is coming. I'm just going to be free. We're never free. And parents, don't be tempted to just say, I'm not responsible anymore. You're going to give an account to God up to the day that they're married. And they're under another set of authority circumstances. And the same way we are to appropriately understand how we relate to the authorities, because we're going to give account to, Lord, to the Lord how we have related to them. And one of the major things that we want to do is love people as we submit. That that when it's like Daniel, they wanted to accuse him in Daniel six, and they couldn't accuse him of anything. They they couldn't find in the civil realm things that he had done wrongly. Because he knew, understood authority. They had to make a law that was against natural law and against uh, uh, biblical authority to, to find him guilty of something. And we should be that way. We should be the ones that people should point at us and say, well, they're blameless in the way they drive. They pay their taxes. The way they, they relate to, pol- to police authorities. Thank you for all the policemen in, in this church that serve so well our, our county. And so we want to be the ones always being an example that we relate appropriately even as we speak, pray for our governors even if they're not in line with our thinking. We, We, the way we talk about our president should be honorable, even if we are not in favor of his policies, and we should pray for him and show honor to him. And we have to be careful what programs we watch, the way they talk and relate, because those things will start having an effect on our hearts. And people should see, I disagree with the ideas, I give honor to the authority. That's very hard. I, I, I had to stop listening to some commentators because oh, it was doing something on my heart. It was, I was like ready, you know. <laughs> the Puerto Rican in me was coming out, you know, we're fighters and uh, I was ready. And at some point there, there was a bureaucrat, I'm not going to name it, that I think I, I say to somebody, I'm willing to give my, my clerical, you know, uh, license. If I see that guy, I, I'm going after him. And I had to repent from that because that was like brewing in my heart because I was not in agreement with him and I was attacking the image of God in him instead of the ideas and, and, and what First Timothy chapter 2 to honor and pray for them in an appropriate way. Verse 5 says, therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but for the sake of conscience. But what Paul is saying is, we, we're not doing this because we know that God will judge those who don't submit. It's because you have informed your mind, your soul with right theology, and that has come with the fruit of saying, as I submit to these people, I submit to God, and I show love of the gospel. Amen. So in this polarized world, and believe me, I have very strong ideas. My friends know I have very strong ideas. We, we need to pray that, that appropriately, love is not this that we throw through. We hold truth. We don't believe lies. We don't let lies uh, that they're trying to tell us to say, okay, that's okay. We have to love them. It's okay. We, no, no, no. But our heart is in the, pl- in the right place. As we interact with some of these ideas, as we in, 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 in social media, you know, it's so easy to talk about people that you don't know. We, we get in this little kind of like safe heaven of similar ideas, backing of ideas, and we start attacking ideas and we forget that we're attacking sometimes the way we say it. It's right to attack ideas, not right to attack the image of God in people. So We're going to start firm. We believe marriage is between a man and a woman. We, between, we believe that you're born a man, you're a man, you're born a woman, you're a woman. We're not going to be apologetical about that. We don't have to say it with caveats, but we don't say like somebody just hit you in the face. Okay. We say it with, with love. And we say it knowing that we respect the authorities up to the point that they're doing what they're called to do. Brothers and sisters, because the end is near, we can love and we can love society, love the church, love one another, love others, love God. Point number two, we love when we love others. So here you see this Paul move from Romans chapter 12 loving to this call to submit to authorities and he goes again to loving. So he clearly is saying as you submit to authorities you are doing it out of love. You, you, you are not doing it. You don't, you don't want to be, you know, uh you don't want to be like Mr. Fox or Mr. CNN you know you, you you don't want to be right 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 we want to have the truth but we want to do it in love so after he moves from this exhortation of submit and he says that we should not owe taxes to the state and I know that's hard for some people he's saying that what we owe is love it's, it's interesting that the, 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 the the, the 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 play of words that Paul is using. He's saying, don't owe taxes, but this is what you owe. Verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not covet. And any other command there are some of... Uh, in this word you should love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not run to a neighbor before love is the fulfilling of the law. So brothers and sisters what this is saying is the new covenant and the new testament doesn't neglect the moral calls of the old testament and the two higher one is love God love neighbor. It's kind of of, you can summarize the the ten commandments and what saying here, you, you should not do, do these things that, that are acts of hate toward one another. You should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You should not covet. But at the end, what we should do is not only don't do these things, because we can be and feel safe if we say, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going, going to do that, and I'm fine, and I can be away. But he's saying, Love. He's not saying only what you need to stop doing, is what you should do to love one another. I was uh, listening this morning to a sermon of Alistair Beck, and, and he was saying that this idea of like the church is, most likely a lot of people here would not have been together if it wasn't for church. There's age difference, there's some that like math and were nerds like me, There's some that like music and, you know, they're more, like, artistic. There's some that like farming. There's others that like the city. So there's, like, different kind of, like, situation. Maybe a couple of us who have been friends maybe have similar uh, kind of inclinations. But the beauty of the church is, like, even in this reality, people that you say... (laughs) Oh man, they rub me the wrong way every time I interact with them. We're called to love them. And we're called to love one another because of the reality that now that we are in Christ, we are all together in Christ. And we're called to love one another. Love does not run to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the Lord. So, the the call I think is simple. It's like, because of the reality that we're going to see in point three because of the end that is near how can we love each other how can we love neighbor and i think one of the things that stop us from loving others is this fear that we have that people will take advantage of us that people will hurt us maybe we had experienced it in the past we opened each other and we were stopping the bag Or somebody didn't, they took advantage? Have have you been in a relationship that you open your heart, you're having fellowship, and then you find out the person having opened their heart? And there's like a lot of stuff that's coming out all of a sudden, and you're like, well, why this is happening? We've been meeting. Were you not truthful to me? Were you holding back? And that will tempt you to do the same. And in the times that we live, it's near. We don't have time to waste we don't have time to waste in this pity of like poor me. Oh, somebody's going to hurt me. Oh no, brothers and sisters, we throw ourselves to love each other. We, we the end is year We're going to see. So we love. We take advantage of the time that we have, of the time that the Lord has given us, and we open ourselves. Devon and, and and John knows a, a season uh, of a person. This was like eight, nine years ago. The whole thing ended. I never thought this was going to happen. This, this person arrived to our church and created chaos for eight months. And at the end, because of providential circumstances, he, he told me up front, I came here to destroy your church and destroy you. That's as close as you will hear the devil speaking out loud. He he said, I I was like marking territory like a dog. You can ask my wife, I spent two days without talking. And to have me two days without talking takes a lot. (laughs) And only by the spirit of the Lord, I remember in the kitchen when I told my wife, because of the gospel, nobody has to pay for this. We're not going to make other people pay for, pay for this. We're not going to close ourselves. We're not going to, to put ourselves in, in, in in isolated. If somebody else will do it, the gospel is sufficient. The gospel is enough. So, brothers and sisters, let's love one another. Let's love society, even if they're going to throw hell at us. In, 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 uh, you know, throw like every life from hell. Let's say it that way, because I know. Lost in translation again. (laughs) Because the end is near. We can love. Love society. Love the church. Love one another and love God. Point number three. We love when we love God. Because we want to be like him. In in some ways. the, The end of the passage is telling. You can submit to society. You can love one another. When we are loved by God and we love him. When we're loved by God and we love him and the way that we love him is we want to be like him. We want to be godly. We want to show his character. Not because we can, but because the love of God from Romans 1 to 11, we cannot divorce this passage from Romans 1 to, 1 to 11 because of all the great love. Again, brothers and sisters, how wonderful it is to say, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Because of that truth, we can love each other because we know the time is is near it's right there verse 11 beside this again this can be said do all these things you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is near to us now is nearer to us now that when we first believe the night is far gone the day is at hand so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sexuality, not in quarreling and jealousy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify his desire. Paul is saying there's a moral urgency in our life to love God and love others. Because we are almost at the end. When he said at the beginning. For salvation is near. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. He's talking about dawn is coming. And, 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 and sometimes it's very dark. And you may feel like we're in the darkness of time right now. And what he's saying is. It's right there. The sun will come out. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. And sometimes we, we, we get intimidated because we feel it's so far away and what Paul is saying, it's right there. It's right there, Leaf, it's, we, you're almost at the finish line. You, you are there. His, his rescue is coming. He, he will establish his kingdom. So we are not afraid and we throw ourselves. We throw ourselves to love God. And because we love God, because we have been loved by Him, we can love others and we can show His glory through our lives. It's interesting because after Romans 13, you know what comes? Romans 14. (laughs) And Romans 14 talks about Christian liberties. And that has been a subject that I'm being fascinated by with my years of pastoring, John says yes Uh, every time he talks he talks about Romans 14. I got a friend that gave me a t-shirt Romans 14 because all at the time I talk I think we we, I think we live every day in Romans 14 in the day-to-day of the Christian liberties but it's interesting before we go to Christian liberties which we like a lot because we think it's permission to do what I want and we take it away Paul is saying things that are not up to liberty He's saying things that these are not negotiable. These are things that every believer have to do. And again, he's saying all this when we move to Christian liberties in the context of loving one another. So we use our Christian liberties not to do what I want, but to love one another. And we're willing to give away our Christian liberties because we love other people. And we, want to, we don't want to say, no, this is my liberty, don't touch it, I'm willing to give it. If this is a stumbling block for you, I'm willing to give it. But before he moves there, he wants to make sure, don't get confused. And I think we live in this time now that everything is Christian liberty. Because everything is legalism. Well, if the pastor is it's legalistic. And we have moved maybe from legalistic to like licentious clear sinful conduct we're not willing to point it out because the worst thing that people the worst thing that can tell you right now is either you're a racist or you're a legalist and that's something that we don't want to touch but there's certain things that the Bible tells us if you love Jesus this is how you behave this is showing your life and if you're not doing it because you love Jesus you won't start working in them You don't put it away from later. Because of the love of of God toward us, we love one another by showing godly character. And it's that we understand time. We're in the final days. We don't want to live in darkness, even when we're in darkness, because we know the light will show up. And we don't want to be caught in darkness when the shy show up. And we want to be light in the middle of darkness. And I think one of the problems that we're having in society is that we're giving a strategy to keep youth around. And I I, I encourage so much you guys that you guys are doing a biblical way to raise youth with listening to to sermons and, and not giving in to them. But right now the strategy is let's allow them to be worldly to a point that doesn't look worldly. And you go to places and you're like, okay, this is how we're going to dress now. No, because it's legalistic if you say some of these things. And certain standards of moral conduct are being thrown away because of the excuse of legalism and because people don't understand we are almost at the end. There's an urgency there's a sense that we love one another and we love Jesus so much that we want to be like Jesus. The day is at hand. Brothers and sisters, the best is yet to come. And we are so concentrated in living this life in the way that pleases us that we forget the best is, the best is yet to come. I heard a pastor from Argentina say this uh this illustration an old lady she she knew she was near her death went to her pastor to kind of give her like what she wanted to do in her funeral and she chose certain songs she chose certain passages and she say i want you guys to put a fork in my hand when i'm in the casket Just put a fork there, and that e- I want everybody to see the fork. And they ask, why, why do you want to have that fork there? It's like, when we eat together, the first meal comes, and you guys take it away, and you tell us, keep the fork, the, the best is just to come, dessert. And I want everybody to know that the best, I'm now tasting the best, holding to that fork, enjoying, but we kind of, for some people, dinner is formality. Get me to dessert. Get, get me to the good stuff. Oh, brothers and sisters, the night is far gone. We, we should be ready to taste heaven. And we should be now living in a way that, that, that reflects the reality of heaven. And we throw ourselves in loving each other. We forget things about what, what is my, how do I feel? What, if I have enough self-esteem, forget about that. Am I an introvert and an extrovert? Forget about that. Let's just throw ourselves to love one another. Let's just give our life to love society, to love one another because we love God more than anything. Because we have seen his glory and we know he's about to come. First Thessalonians Chapter four, and he talks here a lot about don't giving ourselves into drunkenness, sexual immorality, sexuality, no quality, and, not, and jealousy. He's saying, don't sin one another in way that doesn't show love. In the area of sexual immorality, in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, for this is the will of, the God, of God. Sometimes we are like, God, give me your will. And this is a passage that gives you the will of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who not who do not know God. That one that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand, and suddenly warned you. You know what's the context of First Thessalonians chapter four? After that, the second coming. So he's saying, live in this way, love one another. And it's it's interesting because he's saying sexual immorality is wrong. It's doing wrong to a brother. It's like stealing from somebody. It's taking away something that belongs to another person. So we don't transgress. We love one another. And how we do that? We experience love so we can love others. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To gratify his desires. We, we, it's, like, it's almost put on. It's almost like a, like you put like a dress. Like you put a garment. It's something that now is with you. That is covering you. I think of Zechariah chapter 3. When he talks about the prophet Josiah. Uh, Joshua. That was being. The, not a prophet. The, uh, the priest. The, the high priest jo, jo, uh, Joseph. Uh, one high priest it's Joshua Joshua Uh, and he was he has he was being accused by Satan and he has filthy garments and the Lord rebuked Satan and put new garments to the prophet to the uh, high priest that's what we're doing we're putting the justice of Jesus Christ which is not ours and we understand everything from Romans 1 to 11 we don't deserve it we know the death of our sin we know the canyon and we know the waves that can, can come out, out of those. But we know that the time is near. And because of those reality, because of the reality of our sin. And the reality of the justification of the Lord. Because of the Lord that he has to for us. We make no provision for the flesh. We fight sin. And we love one another. We, 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 we are careful. Tonight, we are careful. Super Bowl is not permission to see sexual ads. So we have to be careful. I'm not going to tell you how you do that. But we have to be careful. We, we don't have like certain days that are licensed. It's not like wedding day It's the day of the, of the bride and she can be modest. That's the day you have permission to be modest. And, and we give sometimes some permissions in our heads of things that we can violate. I remember the first time I went to a, a Redskins game. Well, whatever they're called now. You're in denial. <laughs> and I went with Pastor Bob Donahue. And whoever knows Bob, he's all there. He's out there. And I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm new to the church. I'm taking my company. The company I work gave me some tickets. And I'm taking my pastor. You know, and all of a sudden, the cheerleaders come out. The dudes start boo, boo, take them off put some clothes and I'm looking at him <laughs> I'm like really oh he told me a lesson we, we don't give provision to the flesh we, we are all in because Christ did everything he loved us and, and as we think about the end times, it should bring sanctification. When we meditate about the reality that we're going to see him as he is, that should start deciding, uh, it should make us grow a desire to be more like him. First John 3, 2. I like to say there's no favorite passage in scripture, but this is close to my favorite passage in scripture. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we should be like him. Because we should, be, we should see him as he is, and everybody who does hope in him, purifies purify himself as he is pure. Oh, brothers and sisters. I know I'm not going to be perfect that day, but I don't, I don't want to wait to be more like him as I wait for that day. I, 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 I don't want to say, okay, I'm going to wait for the day. I'm going to see him, boom, it's going to be done. No, I, I want to be more like him as that day comes. And, and maybe what I'm saying is going to sound weird. I, I want that he use less power in him, in me, because I have, for the grace of God, see him as he is now and be more like him. Amen. So when that day comes, we, that day will be the fulfillment of what we are we waiting for. And when that day, we live in light of that day. You know what, brothers and sisters? We can love. Right. Because we are sure of the love of God. We know his hope. We know the hope, the fulfillment of everything. We cannot wait for that trumpet to sound. It's almost there. So we don't get caught up in the different situations that are happening. We don't get caught up if the authorities are persecuting us. We don't get caught up if people are not loving us. We love because we have been loved. You see, we love, but we don't love in our terms. The song 1 Finish in an unusual way. This song that talks about this kind of relationship that is kind of broken, Bono ends up with a cry for unity. And it's interesting, in, in, if you listen, I'm not saying usually, but if you listen, he, he ends saying, he's, he, in, in the last part of the, of the, of the song, he, he has like a cry saying, Sisters and brothers. And in the edition, you can see his voice a little bit broken. It's not like the cleanness of, 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 his, of his voice. It's a little bit broken. I think they wanted to capture the, the passion, the call to unity on brothers and sisters. That call is not possible if you do it on secular terms. But we can be true brothers and sisters because we have been adopted by a lovely Father. We, we have a bigger call. We have the fork in our hands. And because we know the best is yet to come, we can love one another for the glory of God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you have loved us so much. You have loved us so much. You have lavished us with your love. And let us repent when we have allowed our sin, our self-sufficiency, our self-awareness, our insecurities, our lack of having an identity set in the reality that you love us. And because of that we can throw ourselves to love in a way that gives you glory because you, we know the time is near. We can no way. We have that fork ready, Lord. Because we, have, we want to taste heaven. Let us be agents that help people see a glimpse of heaven. Through your work of sanctification of us. For your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.